1: Wide open, Davis, still going, and he's in
0: for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know <laughs> Man, the q Oh my gosh! Listen, thank you.
2: From the jet.com digital studio This is Play Like a Jet, my name is Scott Mason You can follow me on Twitter at jet one And it is time for another off-day mailbag No training camp, no games So we're going to answer your questions with the owner, the operator The lead reporter, the whole shebang over at jetsinsider.com And above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbly Chris, we had a lot of people asking if you were feeling better Because the other day, you were completely worn down From the three straight days of brutal sun are you feeling better did you get a chance to rest have you been laying inside with the air conditioner blasting the last couple of days
3: <laughs> i am feeling better i was just joking with you before we we started here that, uh I, if people that have been listening to this show for a long time uh my insomnia has been cured the pandemic has cured my insomnia i used to always talk about how i was up till i i didn't sleep i was always up And that's how I binge so much TV and my binging has suffered. But yeah, my uh, pandemic has cured my insomnia and now I get to sleep at a reasonable hour and all those days of being out in the sun caught up to me and I was trying to get home. The plan was to get home and take a nap right afterwards. But then I ended up having to run a bunch of errands and couldn't do it. And yeah, I've, I've mostly spent the weekend, In the pool or the AC, although I did foolishly go out and play some tennis uh, a couple hours ago, but mostly AC and pool
2: Glad you're feeling better, Chris Rested, and so now we can answer questions without worrying about whether or not you're going to pass out I got to be honest with you too I went outside for about 15 minutes just to go for a walk the other day And boy, that heat just beat me up So I can't imagine what it was like to have to be at training camp all that time And even worse, to have to practice in those conditions But then again, I guess that's why those guys get paid the big bucks And one of the guys that gets paid the big bucks Is Robert Sala, the head coach of the New York Jets And to start off the mailbag, Michael Palace had a question about Robert Sala He said, on Speak for Yourself on Thursday on Fox Sports 1 Emmanuel Acho and Marcellus Wiley basically said that Robert Sala is Having no training camp fights is a bad thing because it proves a lack of effort and a lack of fire. Scott, what do you think about this? And Chris, having been at training camp every day, can you say whether or not they're right or wrong about the effort and the lack of fire? So I talked about this on Twitter. I think the opinion is really silly. And Marcellus Wiley, who I actually think is generally pretty smart... I guess he was just doing this to get attention or something because I can't imagine he actually believes this the idea that it's a bad thing that the Jets have not had training camp fights is ridiculous first of all they did have a couple Chris you talked about it but they were just very short and didn't lead to much everything got settled down pretty quickly there weren't any knockdown drag out fights like there have been in previous years training camps but I think it's a positive thing because it shows that these players have respect for each other and they have respect for their head coach. And also on top of that, we all know that if it was the reverse, if the Jets were getting into all kinds of fights at training camp, people would be saying Robert Sala can't control the team. The Jets are a mess. They're a joke. They're a bunch of crazy people that are attacking each other. And that's what everybody would be focusing on. So the Jets, I think, here couldn't win in the eyes of anybody that would take this opinion because we all know if it was reversed, they'd be getting hammered. Chris, what do you think about what Marcel Wiley and Emmanuel Lacho said? And also, as Michael asked, what's the story with them at training camp? Do they have a lack of fire? Is that a legitimate thing?
3: I want to. There's like twelve different things I want to start off with by saying first of all here, but I, I can only do first of all for one of them. Um, so I'm just going to go, first of all, uh, I've seen a lot of training camp fights over the past decade. The jets haven't made the playoffs in over a decade.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so yeah, I, the training camp fights didn't work either. Um, not that that's just like one way, like it's such a, n- a nonsense thing. Another one of the first of all, I wanted to start with is stop listening to them dudes. Like, stop, stop listening to them, dudes. Uh, Marsalis Wiley is a smart person, but he says nonsense on TV just because. They, They just throw stuff out there. They want the attention. They want the clicks. They want people talking about them. They want to be dunked on on Twitter. They want all of that. That generates conversation, and they don't care. What if it's good or bad? Just say some nonsense and get it out there. Um, the idea that not having, like, I, I don't even understand this because, like you said, the, there have been some fights, little dust ups that never turned into a brawl. So, it, like, the idea that there's not knockdown brawls at your training camp practice is supposed to be a bad thing now. That it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Um, it, now, Again, there's been multiple times where they were competing hard and the people went and they either grabbed each other and then it just quickly separated. There was a couple one time, punches were exchanged, quick one-two from each of them, and then they just kind of stopped and nobody came running in to like jump in uh, to instigate it further and they were just like, oh, okay, slink back to their way. And that's how it should be. Go ahead, and these you're going to have heat of the moment things in these competitions and battles going against the same guy after day after day after day. So go ahead, get a shot off, let some frustration out every once in a while, but just don't continue it. Like, that's where the problem comes. None of these players is ever going to like really be upset about getting like one shot to the face mask or something. They're just going to be like, all right, cool, they'll be able to brush that off immediately. So um, there's, I'm, I'm not sitting there like, man, they, this, these players need a fire lit under them. Like, no, the fire's lit. They're competing. They're out there. There's, there's nobody out there. Like am playing scared. Uh, like that's what it would have to be. If we saw something like that, then yeah, I can get on board with that idea. Uh but there's nothing like that. Nobody's scared out there.
2: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Play like a jet. Play like a jet.
2: Next question comes in from Joey Shadel. He says, we all saw what Hamza Dean did in the first game. He looked pretty good. Chris, you've talked about how he's looked good at Camp too, but we haven't heard as much about him as we have about some of the other rookies, especially Elijah Moore. Do you think that there's any doubt that he's going to be called upon to start week one at will linebacker and if he does you think he's ready?
3: I mean the, the only doubt is uh, you know knock on wood for his sake is injury at this point really um, I, I don't I don't see who else is gonna take it. Um, he has looked really good. Uh, the nature of this position is the what I'm gonna say here why he's not standing out like uh, Elijah Moore um it's it's much harder for a middle linebacker uh, i mean a little linebacker to stand out and and practice and training camp practice um it's it's harder for them to stand out in a game more often than not uh especially at like comparing to an electrifying receiver like elijah moore but when we're watching from the sidelines of practice it's hard to see through the muck sometimes so I'll I'll see him, uh, Nazaluddin, lined up. And then maybe I'll see him make the play. But I lose what happened in the middle. And when Elijah Moore is lined up on the outside, I can see his entire out. I can see him uh, get off the line. I can see him cut in and out, get in and out of his breaks, where he beats his man, where he gets open and all that. I can see all that clear as day. It's a lot harder to see through the muck to see that. So I'm going to say that's the biggest reason why. Um, I'm also going to say that, you know, I'm sure looking through the muck, there's some plays that I miss that it's beneficial to him that I miss them. I'm sure I'm missing him uh, making some mistakes in the middle there that I just, I just can't see. Um, But yeah, so it's mostly the position thing, but also, I just don't. I'm not going to say he's been playing at the same level as Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore has had the best training camp I've ever seen a rookie have. Point blank, period, and a story. Um, so Nasirudeen not being that good that that shouldn't be alarming. That should be anything. Um, I I I think with him, you're gonna have uh, bumps in the road uh, with him starting the season and playing. You're gonna have up and downs. He's it's gonna be you know a real learn on the job moment for him, and he's gonna make some mistakes. Um, he's probably gonna make one or two at a real crucial time. Gonna get a lot of uh, fans really angry at him, but I think o- over the end that it will balance out, and you'll be excited by what you got in this player.
2: Next question comes in from Matt Pasco. He says, "Based on what you've seen at camp, Chris, do you think C.J. Mosley will return to form this year?" And how do you think the weight loss will impact him? Will it make him better? Or do you think that maybe he took a little too much off and he's not going to have as much strength?
3: Yeah, uh, you know, I can't say that there's any reason for me to think that he's not going to have as much strength right now. Um, Because there's been a couple of times in training camp where uh, I've talked about all, all camp long about how the offensive line is winning in the running game. But there is like... Every other day, there's C.J. Mosley just shooting through to fill a gap and meeting the the running back right at the line of scrimmage and just driving them back. Uh, he he doesn't look like he's any weaker than he was. He does. I it's this is hard to say because you know it's been two years since I've seen him play, uh, even in training camp. But he does look like he might be a little lighter, a little faster. Uh, he, he said that he thinks he's lighter and faster. Um, maybe it's my eyes deceiving me uh, that that's entirely possible again I I can't really compare it. It's just what I imagine I remember it as. so I, I could be I could be wrong there but he, he definitely doesn't look slower. Um, I, I do think he will return to form. He's he started out good, but he's getting even better. Uh, I talked last week about a play he made. Uh, Zach Wilson was trying to hit Elijah Moore over the middle, and he he just leaped up, and I was like, "Damn, I I didn't know C.J. Mosley's had that type of vert in him." Um, so I I do think he will return to form, and you know, it might it, he might have to shake some rust off the first game or so, but I think by week two, week three, you're going to see him back to pretty pretty at least pretty close to what he used to be.
2: Next question comes in from John Filippelli. He says, "Chris, based on what you've seen at camp." What do you think of the Fant-Moses competition so far? Also, I know we've heard that Lawson's been beating Beckton pretty regularly at camp. However, obviously, it's different when they're wearing pads as opposed to not wearing pads. So I was curious what the distinction is there and how often Lawson is beating Becton without pads as opposed to with pads. All
3: right. um, Morgan Moses and George Fant, uh, I mean... There's two of them. That's, that's what I got for you. Can, can they both play at the <laughs> same time? Can you have them both be right tackle? Um, cause neither of them has looked, uh, have looked very good. Um, uh, Morgan Moses hasn't looked good. Now, Uh, the, I've, I've seen more of him than Fant. Remember Fant was out with COVID to start. Um, so I've seen more of Morgan Moses, um, uh, but neither of them have looked particularly good. Um, and I I can't it, it's a coin flip at this point to me. I, I can't see anything in the in one of them that I'm like, yeah, you're doing that a lot better than the other. So yeah, we'll have to see about that. As for the Carl Lawson Beckton thing, that the pads definitely plays a part. Uh, they've only practiced a, a couple a few days of pads. but in those days, Carl Lawson was kind of eating Beckton's lunch uh, just the same um I, we've we've talked about this a lot it's a lot of different things there it's just his size it's a very bad matchup that the Carl Lawson strength or beckton's weaknesses um beckton's learning a new offense uh he i i don't think that this is anything to really be concerning about also to be like last year Becton was much better run blocker than he was as a pass blocker. That's usually how it works with offensive lines. They're usually not even run blocking and passing. Uh, they're usually lean more one way or the other. Becton was always going to be a better pat a uh, run blocker. Now he's an amazing run blocker. So you just want him to get up to like re- really good uh, pass protection, but uh, that is probably going to take some time, but I, he's not going to be getting beat like he's been getting beat by Carl Austin because he doesn't have to face Carl Austin once the season starts.
2: Next question comes in from JP Waxer. He said, Chris, at practices is Wilson going up against almost exclusively for three or are they throwing other looks at him?
3: Oh, they're throwing a bunch of different looks at him. They're, they're throwing everything at him. They, they want him to be uncomfortable and have to work through it. They don't. They're not just sitting there going base um, just giving him plain vanilla looks. They they want him figuring this stuff out at, like on the job, and they're trying to accelerate right the process.
2: Next question comes in from Thomas Schaefer. He says. When teams cut down rosters with one less preseason game, do you think that's going to give teams less time to evaluate, or is it the same amount of time minus the game? Also, Scott, you have me rooting against the mullet man because of how you say his name. Well, get used to it because he's not getting cut. You're going to see Mr. Fine, this year. I don't know that he's going to play much, He's probably just going to be a super sub. If someone gets hurt, you'll see him, but he's not going to start. He's also not going to get cut. They need him for depth and for position flexibility. Chris, what are your thoughts on what Thomas asked, though, about the one less preseason game? Is this going to impact the way that these teams have their timeline set up for making these decisions?
3: I'm just stuck on not appreciating the Eric Matthews imitation. That, that's that's what I'm stuck on. Sounds uh, like somebody
2: needs to rewatch Boy Meets World.
3: If we're being honest, I mean, that, there's nothing wrong with that. That is always a good suggestion. I did it two or three years ago. I'm probably due for another one. Um, <laughs> that 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 show it, it was man, I love that show. Growing up, and when I watch it, I feel the same way I did as a kid watching it. Um, but yeah, so it, it's it's really just uh, they kind of get more time but less game um where i I, that sounds uh counterproductive but they get an extra week where they don't have to focus on like an opponent in the game they can just worry about them and their installs there so it's the same amount of time it's just less game film and Where it's really going to be interesting to see how they play it is how they treat that third game. Are they going to, uh, you know, they're probably going to give uh, Zach Wilson and the starting offense like a series or two because he's a rookie, but it'll be interesting to see how all the other teams do it as well. If they're going to treat that game as what the fourth preseason used to be, which was just all backups um because that that's where the the people the only people that this hurts are the people that are trying to make a roster and like don't really have a great shot at making that roster and they want to get that uh game film for other teams to see that's what that fourth game was always about it's the bottom of the roster players to show out and yeah, maybe they could uh sneak their way in final cuts on the team that they're with But more likely scenario, they impress somebody uh, and the tape gets out and they get picked up and uh, try somewhere else.
2: Next question comes in from NY Jets Hub. He says, Chris, you get to see him in practice, so I was curious what you think about this. It's often said that Denzel Mims had a 4 3 but he doesn't feel like a deep threat to me based on seeing him play on Sundays. Do you see something different in practice that would make you think that he could potentially be a deep threat? You rarely see a guy who gets clocked with that kind of speed that doesn't seem to be a factor down the field. I mean, how many how many Sundays did you have you seen him play? Because he,
3: he hasn't played a lot of Sundays. Um, and those Sundays, he was playing an Adam GaSe offense with Sam Darnold, who were not throwing the ball downfield at all. Uh, Denzel Mims has that speed for a reason. Denzel Mims is absolutely a deep threat. We've seen it. Uh, he had back to back days of catching over forty yard uh 40 yard passes down the sidelines. That's the 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 least of the Jets wor- uh, coaching staff's worries with him right now. I can promise you that he can run that go route. That is not a problem with him. Um will the offensive line be able to protect Zach Wilson enough? And then can Zach Wilson hit it? Uh that like this this just sounds like you know the Oh, Robbie Anderson disappeared again, uh, type of stuff. Where no, Robbie was beating his man. Robbie was getting open, but the ball wasn't getting to him. Um, and so that I don't I don't know why where that would come from to to question his speed, his playing speed. Um, he he can move and he can be a deep threat. It's it's really just getting the playbook down and the timing and precision of it, but. Mostly, he's just playing catch-up, and the other guys on the roster are ahead of him, and they need to be trusted to be exactly where they are. Um, But yeah, the speed's not an issue.
2: I will say, while I think that Denzel Mims certainly can get down the field, if you were expecting him just based on his clocked speed... To be the kind of downfield threat that, say, somebody like Deshaun Jackson is, that's where the disconnect probably comes in because he's not going to be that kind of just straight-up burner that I think even Elijah Moore can be because Elijah Moore is just incredibly fast. I think Mims is fast enough to be a factor downfield, but if you're looking for that straight-up home run threat that every single time he gets off the line, he has a chance to break it all the way down the field for a huge bomb of 80 yards or something like that that's not what Mims is going to do but like you said Chris he does have speed and he can be a factor down the field I think there's a difference though between being a factor down the field and being just straight up deadly play in play out down the field and Mims is a much different type of player than that he tends to like to use his body and his physicality those are his biggest strengths but his speed does give him an extra element. So it is there, and he can use it for his benefit. It's just he's not going to be that type of straight-up burner that we were talking about. Next question comes in from Thomas Arnone. He says, Chris, based on what you've watched, what is your guess as far as who the first five cuts will be on Tuesday? Also, based on what we saw Saturday and what you've watched at camp, is it safe to say that Mike White is ahead of James Morgan on the depth chart?
3: Yeah, I'll start with that second part. Uh Mike White, yeah, he he was better last year, he's been better this year. Uh he got those the, that second team reps and that that should give you a good idea on where the Jets coaching staff has them now. They might mix it up, but he got that first crack at it. Um so we'll we'll see what they're doing in Green Bay, but Mike Mike White looks better uh, consistently better uh, than James Morgan that's that's not saying much um it's not saying Mike White looks particularly good but he he definitely looks better uh than James Morgan uh as for the uh the guys that are going to be cut I mean let's don't don't go uh trying to go to Vegas and try to place uh, money on this because there's a bunch of players that are going to get cut uh, on this team. And really that, I mean, right now you could pick a name and a hat for a lot of them. Um, I'm going to go with someone I'll say cornerback, Corey Ballantyne. Uh, just, just constantly getting cooked. I mean, I fe- I feel bad for him every day. He's got to wake up and go to work knowing that he's, he's going to get cooked again. Um, so maybe not this week, but, uh, I I think that the coaching staff has probably seen enough from him. Uh go Delshawn Phillips, JT Hassel, Jeremiah Valoaga, and uh Corey Levin at offensive lineman there. I'll go with those as my names there, but it, it's really just those I'm I'm guessing those they're they're all getting cut. Uh whether they all get cut this week. We'll see, but they're definitely all getting cut.
2: As you were saying, those names it made me think of that scene in Major League when the owner of the team gives out the list to the people that work in the front office of the players that they're going to be inviting to camp. And one of the guys goes, I haven't heard of any of these guys. And somebody goes, I haven't heard of half of them. And the ones I have heard of are way past their prime. And then somebody goes, this guy here is dead. And she says, well, cross him off then. not saying any of these guys that you mentioned are dead, but I'm just sitting here going, who, who? I know who Corey Ballantyne is, but the rest of these guys, we're talking straight up camp bodies. Next question comes in from Jets and Cuarta Igal. He says, how has the level of concern in the quarterback room changed for you after watching this team practice every day? You've talked about this a little bit, Chris. You definitely seem to be more confident. You and I are still both nervous, understandably, because the best cornerback on the team is a guy that had a handful of starts as a rookie and had a major injury that he was coming back from, and so to count on him to be your number one guy and have to go up against number one receivers, not ideal. And then, of course, from there, your number two guy, you've got a bunch of players that have no experience, and bless Austin, who's been shaky to say the least So you can't be super confident But I think before training camp You were way 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 less confident Than you are now right
3: Yeah for sure I was way less confident The level of concern thing Is you know a relative thing Because I've been saying for a long time now I don't care what the cornerback situation is uh, For this year But that I, I do have more faith in them now um, Most of that's Bryce Hall Um, And then I I like the young guys. And I think that, again, there's going to be rough patches. There's going to be some bumps in the roads there. Um, But by the end of the season, I I think that uh, Isaiah Dunn, Pinnock, Echols, like, uh, I I think that you can see something forming with those guys. cornerback by nature is a position where, you know, players are going to get beat and they're going to have the bad no- moments. So it's going to be extra true for them. But I definitely have a lot more faith I, than them and th- them as a group than I did just three weeks ago.
2: Final question comes in from our friend who, of course, is the originator of the term usurper, Peter J. Dillard. He says, gentlemen, is it wrong that I'm concerned about the offensive line death Elijah Vera Tucker has been gone for half the month. Cam Clark has the spine injury. Alex Lewis is gone. Chumandoga is hurt again. Does what you've heard about the injuries and what you've watched at training camp match my concerns? Also, what are your thoughts on David Moore? He played well in the senior bowl, especially considering what I just said with the depth. Do you think he has a chance to stick here? And have you had a chance to watch him in training camp yet?
3: All right. So I definitely share your concern. When uh, I, I I'll combine two of the parts here. When I was filling out um, every year before the first preseason game, the beat Riders have like a little competition to to pick the uh, the active roster, and whoever gets the most wins all that stuff. Um, I was I was filling it out, and I was looking at the offensive line, and I was like, um, Where are all the tackles? <laughs> where are all the, t- there's no, uh, like there's Becton, there's fan and there's Morgan Moses. And then, Oh boy. Uh, Juma hurt. He has like, what, what's going on there. Um, and then the inside uh, there's bodies. They got a lot of bodies, but not, not good ones. Um, Elijah Vera Tucker, you know, it's been a little more than day to day, but I think they're just slow playing it and, uh, and not rushing anything. there. Um, I don't think that's anything to be concerned about, but their depth is not good there. Um, I did end up putting David Moore on the roster uh, on, on my, uh, I, I put him on there just because I was like, I mean, they, I think that they picked him up. I know he was highly coveted. I know that there was a lot of people that wanted to get in on him. I'm not sure exactly what happened in Carolina. That was, that seems weird that they would give up on him so quick. I have tried to watch him as much as possible, usually in uh one-on-one in the position drills. I see And it looks good so far, but you know, only so much I can take from it. So I did sneak him in on there, but I, as, he's not somebody that I would have high hopes for or expectations for this year at, at all. So, that's still more of a long-term play. If they have to dip into the depth there, it's going to be a problem. Uh, they're they're going to look to scour the wa- waiver wire when cuts start being made. But, you know, good offensive linemen don't really shake free here. So, they might be like a roster shuffle going on there, with uh, especially with the inside guys.
2: Chris Nimbley, the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang – Over at JetsInsider.com and above all that, a very big deal. Thanks so much for coming on and answering training camp mailbag questions with me. Really appreciate it. Make sure that you're checking out everything Chris is doing over at JetsInsider.com and following him on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider and check out everything we're doing over at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like A Jet YouTube channel. Luke Grant's got some brand new videos up including one with the top five takeaways from the game between the Jets and the Giants. Check out all those videos and subscribe if you haven't done that already. And also make sure you give us a five star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLegAJet.com.